Welcome to Chat With Us, the show that talks about all things health, wellness, life, and business. I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Emma Dillon. And And this this is Chat Chat With With Us. Good. I feel like it's been a while. I feel like I haven't spoken to you all week. Well, you haven't because this week has been crazy. You've been missing. I was saying I before this, I literally just went and got my whole body photographed for like skin skin check for your freckles and moles. Yeah. Oh, I love that. They do like a full body photography. which, I mean, it's a bit confronting because you're standing there with literally no clothes on except for underwear. But it basically records all of your freckles and moles yep. so that you can go yearly. And if there's like any concerns or if you like notice something on your arm and you're like, oh, that looks a bit funny, they can compare it, which I think is That good. is what I need. Because yeah. sometimes when you go to a GP and you've got to like lay there, I know it's worse, standing in a machine or laying there, the big, the big the microscope <laughs> yeah, thing. On each one. Yeah. And so where are the others? I'm like, oh gosh. I'm like, I need. I feel like I need them. Like, yeah. yeah. So I'll let you okay. know how it goes, but you should get it. Yeah, I really. I want to get um one, so I will definitely hit you up for that. What have I been doing today? Well, as you just saw me doing my makeup in the car, <laughs> I rock up and I just see Rachel in the car, and I, I can't fully see tinted windows. And I, as I'm getting closer, I can just see her like doing makeup and all the makeups out and the hair. And I was like, oh, darling, it's what are been you doing? one of those days. December for me is wild. So busy work everything that's going on but then also have some super exciting news I feel like this is massive I'm so excited Toby and I are moving back to the Gold Coast (laughs) and we've got a home that we're moving into so we have our first home together um honestly it doesn't feel real it's kind of like it's been a bit of a whirlwind hasn't it like I was I don't know why I was well I do know why but I was super emotional when you moved I feel like I even know. though you were doing long distance and you were in Adelaide a lot before I just felt like you weren't like here well the plan was that we were actually going to be more ba- like be in Adelaide yes. more. but then with work it was just impossible so then it was pretty much the same <laughs> I was traveling back every second week it has been the amount of time I spend at the airport like I can't even explain to you the other week I did like all in a week Adelaide Sydney, Adelaide, Gold Coast. Like, I'm going. I'm gonna have so much spare time. It's definitely I'm not nice gonna to know what to do you, with myself. You know, back. Yeah. It's nice to have you back fully. And it feels nice that like I feel like Toby has a home. I have a home. It feels really nice to think that we have a home together. Yeah. Everything is just starting to feel more like. A whole, and you'll be sense? the um, you'll be the Chrissy host. I am. I'm hosting Chrissy. Taking the job off me, which I'm not mad about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm so excited. It's gonna be so good. The oh. Oh. anyway, let's get into today's podcast. Yes, let's do it. Today we are joined by author, podcast queen, and the life advice big sister we all love, Alexis Fernandez. We have a bit of girl chat, then we get straight into the nitty gritty of relationships, our past experiences, and how we knew he was the one. Alexis, how are you going? Hello. I'm good. I'm so happy to be back on the podcast. I love talking to you girls. I feel like it's been far too long. Like, we were trying to figure I out know. before, we're like, how, how long has it been? Well, and we had a few, like, hiccups. It's been forever and it's just flown. 
Yeah, so please. We have had some hiccups. Yeah. We've tried to record this two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Optus outage really um, really did us dirty. But yeah. tell us a little bit about you. What have you been doing? I know, obviously, you know, we've chatted about being engaged. Where's the progress there? What is happening? Oh, my God. We were actually just laughing about this because you're so organised already. Like, <laughs> she is. Knowing so much about your wedding and I'm, like, so organised. I'm so impressed. And every time I see all your posts, I'm like, how does she do it? And I'm 18 months since I got engaged and we still don't even know a location. We're flipping between yeah. anywhere in Australia and Spain. So that's like, that's what we've narrowed it down to. Oh my God, Spain would be amazing. Spain would be incredible. Oh my God. I would, any, I'm just obsessed with destination. But Emma was the same. You pretty much were like getting married. Yeah, the whole plan was like, we were like, oh, let's just get married. It was COVID. So we were like, you know, it's Mm. always going to be up in the air. We're Mm. never going to fully know if it's going to happen. Let's just plan it and see how we go. And literally like started planning the wedding. Then we were like, oh, like, let's try fall pregnant, fell pregnant. If the wedding didn't go ahead, like we would have just been like, okay, we'll just do it later. Like it was all a bit risky. Um, yeah, yeah. That's been my whole thing. Yeah, I feel totally. like if we didn't do it this way, we wouldn't do it. Like it would just keep getting pushed back. We work well mm. under pressure. <laughs> I feel like we need to give totally. Alexis a and date. I think that <laughs> yeah, Alexis, you have this day. This day. No, that's exactly. <laughs> yes, I need a date because if I, if I've got a date. I'll never miss a deadline ever. I was always great at uni because like the three days before something was due, no matter what, it was done. So I'm like, I know I can get it done. I just, if there's no deadline in place, oh yeah, I unfortunately am a procrastinator. So I need that date. I feel that. And they do say we do take, however long we're given a task is how long we'll take to do it. What did so. you say you were doing the other day? Like yeah. you have a time. Oh, and yeah. you will, even if you're ready, like you will procrastinate up until that time. Yeah, I'm terrible. So if let's say mm. I have to be somewhere at 10 and I have like three hours before that, I will purposely procrastinate, like I can't help it, right up until yeah. I have to rush to get to, to the 10. See, I would say that is like yeah. a, a toxic trait. <laughs> <I'm> always, <laughs> and then I'm late. I'm always late. 100%. Yeah. And I'm, because I'm like that by nature, I have to set – like proper timers in place and I have to give myself limited time to do things to kind of get around me being a procrastinator at heart and so that way I can just get stuff done I otherwise it'll never happen. completely relate to yeah. that and I guess that takes us on to our topic today. So Alexis, oh, she just has so much wisdom to share with us and I thought we could do something a little bit different today mm. and talk all about toxic traits, relationships, Things that we might come across, whether it be friendship, intimate relationship, like family, I think that's even a big one, and just talk more into Huge. about it and then also how to like navigate it. I feel like you do hear everyone talk about yeah. toxic traits lately. It's a bit of a thing. Everyone's like, oh, it's my toxic trait. It's my toxic trait. But I, yeah, I thought we could talk about like what mm. is actually a yeah. toxic trait and like kind of how can we navigate those amongst ourselves but also each other like yeah well so toxic traits I I look at it as like there's two versions of toxic trait there's like toxic toxic which is intentional harm where you're trying to be malicious you're trying to put someone down you know what you're doing and then there's unintentional toxic traits which often comes from either your upbringing or a past relationship that's caused all this Mm. Kind of you've held on to these really unhealthy patterns and then you're kind of replaying them into a new relationship and you're not 
meaning to hurt your partner. A big one is like insecurity. You might have been in a relationship where you were cheated on and then you enter a new relationship with the nicest person, but you're like, let me check your phone. And it's really unhealthy, but you're doing it because you've got this like crazy fear inside you. You're not trying to hurt your partner. So there's kind of like those two versions. And like you said, it's like in any relationship, family, romantic, friends is a big one. And lately I've been getting so many so many people emailing me about like friendship dynamics and yeah. how that's they just don't know how to tackle it. But ultimately, if you look at what is toxic, I look at it as something that's detrimental to the relationship because mm-hmm. there's certain quirks that people have that might be annoying, mm-hmm. but you're like, that's not hurting our relationship. You're just really annoying me, but I love you. I can yeah. move past it. It's fine. That wouldn't be toxic. You know, yeah. we've all got them. Um, so you've got to look at it as if this were to continue, you would be either hurting me or our relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And I guess when you are in a relationship, let's say you are in a toxic relationship, mm. I guess how do you go about like, you know, I know you've done a podcast on like narcissists and having those kind of people in Mm. your life. Can we chat a little bit more on how common this is and how to identify Mm. that you are dating someone with those traits? And then obviously it can be a quite a manipulative relationship. So how do you kind of work your way out of it? Yeah. So I think the first one, especially with, if you're in a narcissist, like if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it's really, really difficult to identified and ad- the main thing is to admit it to yourself because mm. when you do date a narcissist you've likely been love bombed and the the relationships that people have with a narcissist especially in the first few years are so intense they're so passionate mm. you're so in love while being emotionally abused but it's kind of this it's like the highs are so high and the lows are so low and to openly admit this is an issue that likely will never be fixed. People don't want to do that. So it takes a lot to even get to that point where you've almost like had enough Mm. and you need to, you know, be honest with yourself and say, because the reason people don't want to admit it is because you're saying, well, I can no longer excuse this behavior. This is just who they are. Mm. Because I've dated a narcissist before. And for the first few months, like eight months, I would be like, oh, but they've had a really stressful day. They must have, you know, something must have happened at work. I was just always excusing and, oh, they had an awful relationship. So they're just, you know, they're just projecting. And no, that was just who he was. And so the first one is to admit it. When you start a relationship, and this isn't a red flag, but this is like look for a pattern because Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that really nice people are a red flag because not at all. But they always start as being unbelievably amazing to another level. That's why when I met Tyrone, I'm like, red flag or are you just a good person? Because he was so generous, so nice, so like, and I'm like, what's your deal? Um, But so it starts off that good. And then they'll lay out bait. They want to test the waters. And the first time they test the waters, they'll normally do it in a way that really shocks you and surprises you to the extent that you don't react how you probably would if you were level-headed talking to maybe a friend if they did that so they might make a statement about something they've done in their past or they might snap at you or they might turn around and just react really horribly out of the blue Mm -hmm. and because it's so out of the blue you instinctively and you're already in love like you've already like you drank the kool-aid you're in love so instinctively you're like oh my god oh my god this is like absolute outlier behavior this they've not done this before something must be wrong like you quickly quickly excuse it in your head because you don't want to believe 
that the honeymoon period that there's cracks in in it already so they'll lay the first bait out and because it's such a shock you'll kind of excuse it you'll just shut it down you'll try and say oh no it's fine it's fine I won't argue this anymore it's okay like Mm -hmm. you won't push your point any further because and you're just sitting there quietly being like wow what was that like how did Mm -hmm. they react so badly but because you allowed it that's kind of the first bit so everyone who's been in a relationship with a narcissist can remember the first time they were baited Mm -hmm. and it's always like some really like really irrational thing that this person's done so then after that they'll start pushing it a bit further and further another thing they'll do is they will isolate you from the people that you're really close to so they'll pick maybe two or three people that they really like that they can get close to so they can control the dynamic but Mm -hmm. everyone else they'll make comments like I'm really surprised you want to hang out with that person because you're so smart and that they're stupid. You know, they're really, they, you know, they make you look dumb when you hang out. They make like really condescending comments while trying to compliment you. So they'll say, you're just too good for these people or whatever. And so then the few people that they are friends with, they might pick your best friend maybe or your sister or whatever, they will try and charm like crazy. So they might charm your parents, charm, you know, so that way the, the few people that you have kept in your life are super besotted with this person. They're like, they're so amazing. They're charmed. Like they've been fooled as well. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're now very isolated because you're like, I've cut out all these people out of my life or I've limited hanging out with them because my partner hates them. And then the people that are really close to me, I feel like I can't open up to because they love my partner. Like they love mm-hmm. them so much that if I was to start opening up, they a might not, believe it they might not take it seriously and if they do believe it then it's me admitting that the relationship really is like has these massive cracks so a lot of the time when I was in that situation I would purposely keep so much of the emotional abuse to myself because I felt that if I shared it with my family they would be horrified and they wouldn't want me to be in the relationship so I was and I knew that the weird thing is that I was aware of it but I still wasn't willing to leave so I would kind of just either not tell them at all or just lie about it or play it down and years later I thought that I had told my family by that point my parents would hear about the stories that would happen on podcast episodes and they're like we had no idea Alexis like why didn't you tell us because we're so tight and I'm like I was just I was protecting him you know so that's another yeah a major major warning sign yeah I know this is a weird question but when you say emotional abuse I don't think everyone actually understands like what that is. How would you describe what Mm. that is to people? Because I think some people would be experiencing it, but not actually understand Mm. or know. Totally. So a really big one of emotional abuse is coercive control, which is a huge one. And that's now like illegal in most Australian states if you can approve coercive control. But basically it's where your partner it, it could be the, it could be the really outright screaming, yelling, saying horrible things to you, that kind of abuse, or it could be in the emotional manipulation kind of abuse where they will isolation is a really big one. They will try and cut you down. They'll try and like bring you down, bring you down, bring you down about, and not in the most blatant way. They might not be yelling at you, saying horrible things, but they will always doubt your achievements. They'll question you. They'll mm. gaslight you. So you. They will say something one day and then you'll bring it up a few days later and they'll be like, I never said that. You must be really tired. Like you must, you must mm. have me confused with someone. They'll be, they'll make you start thinking that 
your memory is cracked, that mm. you can't accurately remember anything in the relationship. They'll start putting doubts in your head. They'll start making up things about other people. And then another really big one is the emotional threats that they mm. will do um, if you want to leave. So some people might even say things like, oh, you know, if you were to leave me, the things that I could say, like the things that I could say about you, no one would believe you. No one would believe your side of the story. Everyone would believe me. So then you kind of feel emotionally trapped because you think as it stands, I've got no one. And now I can't leave this relationship because I'm isolated. And even if I left, everyone's going to believe them and all the horrible mm. things they're going to say that I did, that I never did. And so you're just kind of trapped in this. So even if they don't ever physically do anything, you're absolutely being abused. And I guess how, well, two questions. Do you think a narcissist is always a narcissist or do you think that they can change? And number two, well, from your personal experience, I guess how did you work, get out of that relationship? But then also how did you heal? Yeah, so I'll, so I'll answer the first one first because the second one's very interesting. So narcissists are not really necessarily born that way. Mm -hmm. Most narcissists have been exposed to neglect or abuse as a child. Not to say that everyone who's been neglected and abused becomes a narcissist, but for most narcissists, they've been exposed to something like that. And narcissism comes down to wanting to be perceived in a certain way. They have this grandiose sense of self and they want, and they love that false sense of self and they want everyone to think of them as this version of themselves they've created in their head that doesn't actually exist. So it's a deep, deep, deep insecurity ultimately. Mm. It's really difficult for a narcissist to change because you would have to completely acknowledge that you have all these traits and that there's no real justification behind these traits. A lot of narcissists, even though they're aware of their manipulation tactics, they justify their behavior massively. They think that they're hard done by, it's me against the world, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world and you've just got to fight for yourself. That's kind of how they feel. Mm. So for them to be like, well, no, it's just because I'm a narcissist and people are good people and I'm just doing what I can to get my way, it's really difficult for people to come to those that realization. So they can change, but it would require admitting, acknowledging, it would require therapy. And that's just so many things a narcissist would never want to do. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's borderline. If you meet a narcissist, do not bank on them changing. Fucking get out of the relationship would be my advice. Mm -hmm. um, now for me, I the way I got out of it, I was actually very fortunate that I had this opportunity where I was dating this guy and I, before I had started dating him, I won the green card for the USA in the green card lottery. And in order to win that green card, within the year of getting it, you have to go to the US for a couple of months to validate the visa. And then after that, you have to live in the US for, like live in the US for the most chunk of time than any other country. So it's got to be your main place of residence. So I said to him, I was like, look, I'm going to go for three months. I need to validate this green card. I don't like, I really want to see what it's like living in the States. I want to give it a go. And at the start, when we started dating, he was saying, oh, three months is nothing. It's so fine. Of course, that's great. You should do it. If you'd be stupid to give it up. Then as we started going on in the relationship, he was saying, you know, it's me or the green card. You're literally choosing, you're choosing between the love of your life or this opportunity overseas. And it will be interesting to see what you choose. And he kept saying that. And I was very set on 
people do three months apart all the time. I don't mm. say this is a problem. I'm going to do it. But then as the relationship went further and further along, I was very in love with him, but all these, this emotional abuse was happening. So I was, I was a shell of myself. I was very, I was not the confident version of that I've always been. I was, I really started kind of getting more and more, you know, like a, like a homebody, not yeah. doing as much. It was, I was changing mm -hmm. and I really noticed that in me. And weirdly, even though I felt so isolated, every time people would ask me, you know, are you sure you're going to go to the States? You know, what if it breaks up your relationship? What if you never get back with him? And the only answer I could say to people was like, I just know I have to do this. It's like deep down, my instincts were like, leave the country, mm -hmm. leave the country. Like, it's like it was never an option. Even when he said to me, that's it. It's a deal breaker. If you go, we're done. I, I went, I just mm. went. And I was so heartbroken when I was there. I missed him the whole time. He blocked me on everything while I was gone. And I was just so delusional that even after the three months when I came back, I was so grateful now in hindsight that I did leave. Cause when I came back, I had reached out to him and I was like, can we see each other? And he was like, yeah, of course I'd love to see you. And I was really surprised that he was so open to the idea. So then we did meet up and anyway, long story short, we met up a couple of times and then he one day just dropped me off at work one day and then sent me this like massive text message saying like, I've actually met someone while you were gone and you know, you broke the relationship, you ruined it, you did all of this. And then it actually turned out later that he had been in a relationship before we broke up while I was gone and then after as well. So discovering that he had been cheating on me while pressuring me to stay. Imagine if I had stayed and I found out that he was having an affair the whole time, I would have mad regrets. So I'm glad I went, obviously. But weirdly, because it was so final, because A, yeah. I found out that he was not the person I thought he was and B, because he was, had been having the affair, it helped me heal so much faster mm -hmm. than at my first heartbreak where the guy was so lovely, love of my life, I thought, but he ended it just because he didn't love me. Like that was yeah. really hard yeah. Yeah. because I couldn't hate him. I couldn't pin anything on him. Whereas with this one, I was like, you are a bad person and I'm just mourning the person I thought you were. I'm yeah. not mourning you. And so yeah. that's what helped me a lot. Yeah, we have a friend who has gone through a s similar experience and she said the same thing. It's like, it's not like there was one or two things that kind of went wrong. It's like when something is so bad, yeah. you're forced to move on from that person. There's not really a like what if. Sort well, of it thing. like fully justifies yeah, in your exactly. mind. You're like, I have an entire reason. But also that feeling of yeah, <sighs> thinking you know someone like – as I said, our friend th went through an experience where she thought she knew someone and they just she, – she did say like a lot of the time you have a gut instinct, but to think that they're a completely mm. different person, mm. I think that's the hardest part because it's like – and it's like when I dated this guy in the US and he ended up being like a full con artist. Like I think I've told you about this before. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> but it's more so like – <laughs> And I had this like this this gut instinct the whole time. Like, yes, this guy was literally stealing from yeah. me. But it's it's more that you're so disappointed oh, that so <laughs> that you were off. That for me was the hardest. And then that after that, yes, yes, my yes. judgment on things after that, I was like, fuck. I always thought I had a really good judgment, mm. and then mm. that was the hardest hardest part for me. I think. 
getting over it. Totally. Yeah. You doubt yourself so much after it. Like I really struggled with exactly that. I really struggled because I was like, how could I not see it? And even when things were bad, why didn't I leave then? Like why? Why mm. was I staying? I did even with all my instincts, because I, I was the same. I always thought I've got really, really good instincts and I'm never insecure. I never doubt anyone. I always doubted. I was like, is he cheating on me? Is he? And yeah. that was not me at all. I would never do that. And I didn't see that as a red flag. I was just like, no, it's just because you love him so much. Like, yeah. I don't know, I was making excuses. But my sister then one day I was in that zone and I was really suffering. And she said to me, she's like, don't feel like an idiot for not seeing what had happened because he fooled everyone. He fooled mm. the family. He fooled everyone. Like he's just really, he's a master at it. So don't yeah. beat yourself up about it. Because yeah, I was, I was torturing myself over it. Well, it's it's funny yeah. too. This reminds me of a story where I was dating someone and I wouldn't say he was a narcissist, but he did know how to play had up. Traits, had traits. Um, and I remember mm. having a conversation with Rachel. I called you and I was like, I think, I think he's like playing up on me. Think he's cheating on me, whatever you want to call it. And, and I was like, but I just at the same time I can't envision it. Like I can't. And you're like, and you said the same thing. You were like, no, I was like, no, I didn't see it. Not. He just wouldn't. And then days later, mm. it was days. Someone came to me and was like, oh, I need to tell you something. Like your partner's cheating on you. And I was like, it really does take you. It just makes you question everything. Yeah, no. Especially when they lie about everything. it. It's directly like, to it's you. The lying. Yes. And it's like, so what are you meant to be this? And then you're crazy. So it's like, yeah. are you meant to be this crazy person who doesn't yeah. believe the person you're with when, yeah. But for me, the one thing I must say is I always had this really uneasy feeling with him and you don't even realize mm. you have it until yeah. you don't, if that makes sense. But there was just something in my gut. And what was really weird is the universe, things would always happen, which would stop him from traveling here. Like always. I feel like the universe was literally dragging really? us apart. Yeah. And I would just, I was just like ignoring everything. You. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It was crazy yeah. the amount of things where yeah. that would go wrong. And I do feel like I never, like, I'm never going to say a relationship's easy, but it, when it's the right person, things work. They yeah. just kind of work a little bit better for you. Yeah. I was talking to someone totally. about this today and yeah. I was like, a relationship is always going to require effort, but it's the style of effort that mm. you're putting into it. Mm. Like when you're working on progressing, 100%. huge difference to working on just literally yep. keeping it together yeah. because the other person just fails to, you know, contribute anything. 100%. And you'll notice a lot of people on that, you'll notice a lot of people will say like, say someone cheats and you're like, I can't be here, I can't be in this relationship. And they're like, well, you're not fighting for the relationship. I'll fight, oh, yeah. I'm fighting, I'm willing to to try and work it out. There's a massive difference between two people working towards something versus one person doing all the hard lifting. Yeah, and yeah. if someone's cheated on you and then is accusing you of not fighting for it, then it's yeah. like, what? Like they're, they're, they're fully gaslighting you, yeah. you know? And I say like with relationships, I think the aim is, because there's always effort, always. Oh, but hmm. my aim is for my relationship to be easy in the sense that you make each other's life easy. My mm. goal is to, in my relationship is to make Tyrone's life as easy as possible. And mm. he does the same for me. And if that's your mm. overall goal, I think easy is looked as like, oh, you mustn't care enough. But that's my overall goal. If you can say we have an easy relationship in the mm. sense that we don't contribute to the drama, we remove it, mm. then you're succeeding, you know. I agree. And I feel like, I don't know about you, Alexis, and obviously even you, Em, to a degree, but after that relationship, I did find it hard to trust my instinct. It took me 
Yeah, mm. I was very cautious and quite guarded. Yeah. 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 And I guess how, what were your so steps guarded. like? How did you, because was Tyrone your your next serious relationship after that or did you have? The next serious, yeah. but there was yeah. like a two and a half year gap in between yeah. where I didn't date anybody I would go on like I would like casually sleep with people and you know whatever but I would I did not date not even close to dating somebody in those two and a half years and I was I think on top of the fact that I didn't trust my instincts and how to read people and I was just like I felt really jaded and Mm. I hated feeling jaded I didn't want to be that person that expected the worst man of fact I didn't want to be like that I was like this is a really bad headspace to be in and I'm normally someone that tries to see the best in everyone and I was not doing that so I thought okay on top of the fact that I'm feeling this way I'm also my self-love is kind of pretty low right now so I just thought I'm going to spend the next in my head I was like six months and it ended up being (laughs) over two years but just doing things that are really really working on things that are going to make me feel amazing or that are going to make me feel really empowered. And for me, that happened just before I started, like the breakup, just before I started the master's degree. And I look at that degree as being my saving grace because even though it was so hard, I loved it so much. Like when you can pour your heart and soul into something that you adore, Mm -hmm. that is one of the best things you can do for heartbreak, for self-love, for self-respect because you think – I have a reason to get out of bed every day like this. I'm so into this. And it could be a selfish reason or a selfless reason. I don't think it matters. As long as you wake up being like, I have something to wake up for that I'm really excited about. Then I think you start loving yourself again because you see the progress you make. And then you start trusting yourself again and your opinions and your your judgment. Yeah, you're like building your confidence back up. I feel after my... Mm. Um, before I met Toby, I had a year of being single and I actually put up a Q&A only yesterday and a fair few girls were like, oh, any advice to us single girls? Like it's been a little bit longer than I would have liked. And it's funny because I was talking to you prior to meeting Toby and I remember I was single at the time and you were like, honestly, when I was finally in a place where I was just like, if I'm if I meet someone, maybe, but I'm also happy to not meet someone, mm. Tyrone walked into your life and I felt like, the exact same thing yeah. happened to me the day I was like, I remember yeah. walking on the beach saying, honestly, I'm just really happy with like where my life is right now. And then it's like, bam, that's kind of yeah. when it happens. But I guess what's advice to girls who are going through heartbreak or they're in that single girl era? Um, how, like what, how should they make the most of that time? Yeah. Okay. So, and it's funny you say that because that happened to you. It happened to me. One of my good girlfriends has just, I mean, knock on wood that it ends up being amazing, but just started a relationship as well. She's been single for a couple of years. And I I was talking to her about this because she's like, I like my life, but I do want a partner. But, you know, I I don't want to be that anxious girl who's looking for a partner all the time. What do I do? And I said to her, I was like, the way you want to look at it is you might find your person who you're going to be with for the rest of your life tomorrow like you could meet them tomorrow or next week it could be around the corner do you want to look back at the time when you were single and you had no one to answer to as the time where you were just wishing time away until you met that person like I in a really nice way I mourn my single life you know because I just I loved that era for me and because I milked it I don't feel I need to go back it was a great chapter and now I'm on to the next amazing chapter but 
I had this realization where I was like, if I meet my person tomorrow, I will never be single again. I'll never just never have to tell anyone where I'm going or never have to think of someone else in my thoughts at all times. I never have to, you know, I could just book a flight to Paris tomorrow and not have to worry. Oh, but I'm in a relationship. Maybe I should, you know, factor them into it. Like never again, never again. So I thought this is my time to milk this independence for everything I can because the next person that comes into my life might be it. Mm. And so when I said that to my friend, she was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited now. Like I'm really going to get like really going to get into it. And within two weeks she's met this person, <laughs> I think, because you just changed this yeah. mindset. <laughs> it Honestly, I swear it's mm. like a good curse. It's just the universe waiting for yeah. you to be like, you know, like I am content yeah. within myself. Yeah. And then you meet someone and it's like yes. it actually makes meeting them better because you're you're content with yeah. you before yeah. becoming it. Yeah. yeah. I speak to some of my friends now and whether they've just gotten out of relationships or not, you could tell the, the thing on their mind is very much like, who's the next person mm. am I going to meet? And I remember that feeling because you are, yeah. there is that mm. fear of will I be alone forever? Like I still remember all of the thoughts that Emma had, I remember being like, oh, Emma, shut up at the time. And then I was single, I was like, I'm going to be alone. And Emma's like, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to be fine. But it's yeah. like trying to not sit in that mindset for too it's long. It's a bit of a mind game mm. because it's natural. It's natural it to want to find the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life, especially, I don't know, I just feel like that's the thing. But at the same time, you're playing this game yeah. with yourself because you're like, I've got to be happy within myself or the next person I meet, it's not going to work because I'm still going to be, you well, know. Well, it's the same issues you usually yes. have in the relationship, right? Yeah. And I guess that was my next question. Yeah. Jumping from relationship to relationship after a breakup, what, what's your perception on that? So I think, look, if you find someone who's an unbelievable match, I wouldn't not enter mm. a relationship with them just because you've come out of one. Mm. But I think it's really important that you never look at your partner as your happiness mm. because if you if you come out of a relationship, say you were just like your, your baseline self and then you meet someone and you get all excited, it's romantic, you've loved them, all of that, you thinking this person's my happiness. You then break up and, of course, you're devastated, you're heartbroken, then you think they took my happiness away. Mm -hmm. And then you meet someone else, bang, you're really excited. Again. So then you start thinking happiness equals someone providing it for me. So if and whenever possible, I wouldn't be actively searching for a new partner. Again, if it falls into your lap, go for gold. But I wouldn't be actively searching for a new partner until I was sure that I could provide the healing for myself and I'm not looking for this healing and this happiness through somebody else because the problem is that when you're in a relationship long enough and that excitement wears down, then you start, you know, you start wondering, well, why am I not happy? Why am I unhappy? I'm not happy with my partner. They're not making me happy anymore. When in reality, if you are two happy people entering a relationship, the chance of there being longevity is a whole lot higher because you're not saying you're responsible for my happiness. That honeymoon period is going to fade and you've got to find ways to still work really well together as a team and enjoy things together. But mm -hmm. if you're not working on yourself to be happy, you're going to be miserable thinking, go on, make me happy. Come on, make mm -hmm. me happy. And yeah. it's like, there's nothing they can do. They could be the best person in the world. There's nothing they can do. You know? And I feel like that's so common in relationships. People start dating and it's so easy to kind of merge into one and you lose that sense of independence mm. and identity without that person. And I, mm. as hard as it is, because it's so easy to do that, something I'm constantly 
conscious of in my relationship is I need to still have my own shit going on because otherwise totally but also you want to come home at night and have something to talk about you want Mm. you know I feel like the 24 7 not seeing your friends and I've done this before like getting into a relationship and just merging into that person stop like stop putting effort into work or relationships or whatever else outside of that then when you that does end or that person it doesn't work out you're kind of left starting you're you're rebuilding your entire self and Mm. like you when I was single for that year because I had work and I had a purpose it was one of the best years of my life um but Mm. without that I, I definitely felt I would have felt like it was challenging I feel like people mistake yeah like lust like mm. that lust period where it is they do probably make you like super happy they're your entire happiness you're obsessed it's what you think about like they mistake that kind of little dopamine shot for like lo- real mm. life mm. and like that's not real life so as much for as lo- like the for lust, love yeah yeah it's and it's just I think suddenly the lust ends and then you're in a relationship where like it's like okay you love each other but like it's not everything in your life like you need other things too and people just get really like suddenly they're like oh this is confronting like what am I doing Mm. you know is this what I thought it was people think butterflies are like the thing that you have to have and it's normal to have butterflies in the early stages of a relationship but if someone's feeling butterflies all the time That can be a bit of a red flag because butterflies is Mm. anxiety. And I used to feel butterflies all the time with my really toxic ex. Whereas with Tyrone, of course, at the start I felt butterflies. But now what I feel, and I think that this is something that I've realized is you can't beat this feeling, is there's no one in the world who makes me feel more comfortable in my own skin than Tyrone. Like I can be, he's never judged me, like never judged me ever. And it's this peace that I have when I'm around him and I try mm-hmm. and provide for him. And it's kind of like people chase the butterflies and they don't make the most of these calm moments. And the calm is where you really learn about them and yourself and what you can both bring. And that's what can actually bring you so much more happiness. But we mistake this anxiety for happiness, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's adrenaline really. Yeah. And I feel like if you can focus on like what is the feeling that I truly ultimately want to achieve? And isn't it peace of mind? I feel, I feel I want to just be comfortable in my own skin and be happy with who I am. A hundred percent. And I saw this on another podcast actually. And um, I watched this (laughs) reality TV show and anyway, the girl went through so many toxic relationships and she, Vanderpump rules. And she was like, honestly, toxic (laughs) is boring. She's like, toxic relationships are boring to me. She's like, what, we fight, Mm. we do this, we do that. She's like, what's exciting for me is that contentness Mm. and peace, as you said, and calmness. And I feel like this is something I get asked a lot on my Q&As is how did you know Toby was the one? And I want to know from you girls, like how did did you know Tyrone? How did you know Adam was the one? What's different? I would say, yeah, it goes back to always like he's like my safe space and not in a sense that he needs to constantly reassure Mm. me, but I know when I go to him with anything, when I'm with him, like it doesn't matter what version of me I am or he's never going to judge me or look at me in a way that like I, where I feel judged, like he's, he will just always be there for me and the love he gives me is 
very genuine. Like it's not, it's when, you know, no mm. one else is necessarily around or he might not want to give me that love because I'm being annoying at that point in time, but it's always there and it's always consistent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Like yeah. And since having a baby, 100%. what has been the most difficult part of prioritizing your relationship and what's your best advice mm. to people out there? Because I know I'm interested. <laughs> Oh, having having a baby, (laughs) having a baby has been the best. I always say to Adam, I say like, she is the best gift that you could have ever given me. Mm. And she has Mm. brought us together. Like she's made us so much closer, but babies are testing. They Mm. take a lot of your time and often it's the time that you would normally have together because there's still everything else going on in your life. You're still working, you're still blah, blah, blah. So suddenly like you feel that time start to stretch and it gets a little bit tighter and it's not as easy. Mm. But I would say that like since having her, we've had to really prioritise and therefore appreciate just how important and special it is to have that time. And it's not always easy finding it and and prioritizing it but if you can like just making sure your partner is still a priority you hear a lot of people are like oh my kids are my world Mm -hmm. but it's like well your partner Mm -hmm. is who start you started this journey with and it's who's going to be there at the end like yeah kids leave home they go meet their loves of their lives they say it's the most important relationship that you have to mom and dad as in kids should come second Mm. to it I know that sounds hard to fathom yeah but yeah. without that working everyone's everyone suffers well they say like there's two like it, well there's yeah kind of two prongs no no but no it's exactly that they say that if you if the parents are a team if you're yes. like this united front you love each other then it allows for closeness with everyone but if you're always you know those parents that try and get their kids when the kids are a bit oh, older yeah. their kids to side with them in an argument yeah. like so unhealthy <laughs> but yeah and and of course that that just brings cracks not just for the the marriage, but also with the kids because they're like, oh, you guys are fighting, oh. you, got, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting even watching like my mum and dad, I used to, as much as I used, it used to pain me because they would always be on the same side, I used to look at it as mm. such a strength that they would never, ever, yeah. ever, even if one of them thought different to the other, they would never throw each other under the bus when it came to us. It was always like, this is our decision and together our decision is final. Mm. So I think kids thrive off like, yeah, like a strong united front. Mm. Well, actually the thing that, yeah, it's exactly that. And the thing that um, children actually need the most and, and kids who are in a really healthy, loving family, they don't acknowledge this obviously because they've got it. But the thing that teenagers and kids crave the most is boundaries yeah. because boundaries represent love. So this lecturer came in while I was studying and she focused on really disadvantaged youths, especially like teenagers mainly who didn't really have a stable upbringing. There were never any curfews. They would just go out until whatever time they could be gone overnight. The parents wouldn't care. And when you're a teenager, you're like, I wish I could go out on a Friday night. My parents wouldn't tell me what, like you think this is the best case scenario, you know, when you're 16, but every single child or teenager that she would interview and work with the consistent Without fail, the thing that they craved was boundaries. They're like, I want boundaries. I want someone to tell me that I can't do something because it means they care. It means they love me. And when you have that by default, we're spoilt with it. We're spoiled with people who are 
always worrying about where we are. So we're like, oh, how annoying, you know, but, but we still feel loved and it's fine. Yeah. But for the kids that don't have it, it's the biggest pain for them. It's really sad. Yeah. That's so interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. All right, Alexis, what about you with Tyrone? What would you say? I mean, obviously there's so many different components to it, but I think I knew he was the one where firstly he's probably genuinely the most present and happiest person I've ever met. Like he is so happy and he wants to make everyone else happy. I love how he resolves conflict and that was probably the thing that attracted me to him. After like we a few months in when we disagree with something, yeah. the way he would resolve conflict was such an eye-opener for me and I learned so much through Tyrone because no matter what, the way Tyrone disagrees, the way he looks at it is we can disagree, we can be annoyed at each other, but we should never, ever, ever be angry at each other, ever. So he's like, you can be annoyed that I've done something and I can try and explain myself. We might even disagree. We might even not get an apology from each other, but why do we have to be angry at each other? It never has to be that way. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> you're such a peaceful, like he's just... He's got like, he's a lover, you know, and I was like, I'm so, I need this in my life forever. Like I just, I'm a happier, calmer, more forgiving, less proud person because of him. Like he's just made me a better person. Oh, I love that. That's so, so nice. I feel like your partner that should. Yeah. yeah. You, sh- you should make each other better, yeah, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What about you? Totally. Oh, for me, you? <laughs> yeah, I hear like when you guys speak so much of that, I feel like there's common themes, right? When you, when you find the right one, like definitely that safe feeling, that non-judgment mental mm. feeling, um, similar to you, Toby's a really good communicator. Like I grew up yeah. where I saw a lot of like fighting was one versus the other. That was very common for us to mm-hmm. sort of see. It was like, my mum versus my dad kind of thing rather than like them working together. I feel like that's a bit old fashioned. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the older generation did communicate totally. a little bit like that. Whereas with Toby, it was always like oh, similar. 100%. It was, yeah, it was like, we can, we don't have to agree, but we have to stay and be respectful to each other always like with how we communicate. But yep. then if I'm going to go outside of what you two have said, definitely something Toby's done in our relationship that no one else has done is he challenges me he challenges me to be better mm. and I've always wanted someone who I don't really want someone that just tells me yes 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 he's very in, in the kindest way always but he always challenges me to be the best version of myself and like hypes me up builds me yeah. up like makes all of my crazy dreams feel so possible and I feel like that's in a very realistic way so I feel like yeah. that's been a really nice thing that I've really enjoyed in our relationship believed in you Mm. you do need that I think when you have like the inner thoughts and you want to like you for you they all make so much sense but you also you're also like oh if I say this to the world like is everyone going to just be like what the hell but when you have that other person and they're like no like you can do this like we'll just even be able to support each other it's like your career is not more important than mine mine's not more important than yours like we're both equal we're both important like we both can do well without the other not doing well like Mm -hmm. I feel like there's no competition there's just genuine like yeah like support and happiness and and love and I mm. feel like yeah that's another part of the like a relationship that I've really really enjoyed it's honestly and I, but I think the common theme with with us three and I think with any healthy relationship that I see is communication is obviously number one like you have to be able to communicate 
with yeah. your partner where it's a safe space and you're like, I'm going to get my head bitten off if I say this thing, you know, like yes. where you can just say whatever's on your mind respectfully. Yeah. And there was this really interesting, I love referencing studies, but there was this really interesting paper that was published and it talks about what was the difference between couples that would make it long-term and -hmm. couples that didn't. And it ended up being something so simple as, and the percentage were like the numbers were crazy. This is like a long study that was done and people, partners that always acknowledge a statement. So if you say, Oh, how beautiful is that sunrise? And your partner says, wow, yeah, that is really beautiful. Or if you say, Oh, I'm really hot. Oh, do you, yeah. do you like whatever do you like they just acknowledge because it's so easy when you get to know each other so much that when you get home you say wow I had such a long day and your partner literally just doesn't respond or wow look at that bird outside and they don't respond that is the biggest teller of what of a couple couple that's going to break I apart feel like I've when seen you stop this somewhere. picking up people's cues I feel yeah. like I've seen this somewhere. Yeah. Like I've, it's I've so read it interesting. or I've yeah and I remember re- looking at it, I'm like that's yeah. really interesting that that's like a such a thing but they're like yeah like the it's the little conversations mm-hmm. and just like acknowledging that yeah, your partner exists yeah. like that it's acknowledging people there. yeah people want to be heard yeah. yeah and when you feel heard you feel loved or you feel yes. cared for you feel respected and I, I call I said to Tyrone it's like it's it's a tennis ball it's a throw and catch so yeah. that when he when he used to be really busy he wouldn't like he'd just be so looking at what he's doing that he wouldn't respond to me and I said, Tyrone, it's it's the tennis ball. Like if you're too busy to talk, just say, give me one moment and I'll leave you alone, you know. Yeah. And so then <laughs> there'll be times where I will ignore him, not meaning to, and he's like, tennis ball. And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and so that's just how, you know. I like that I though. That. I feel like there yeah. needs to be, and something Toby's really good at is making time to talk about our, our relationship. Like sometimes he'll, I'll say something, mm. he'll be like, well, why do you feel like that? And I'm like, or how did you you get there? And I'm like, babe, I don't know. I'm just making a comment. Because he, he really wants to yeah. dive into things to keep conversation going. And I'm like, bless you yeah. because I'm definitely one to like if I'm busy, you know, I yeah. don't put effort mm. into yeah. that. I'm this, I kind of can, I can yeah. easily shut down and go to into my own mind, especially if I'm a bit like stressed. Whereas Adam is just like a talk, talk, talk. Oh, yeah. He loves to talk, talk, talk. And I'm like, find myself, I'm like, okay, focus in, focus in, like answer the questions he's like. like but I think it's yeah. nice to have yeah. that. Mm. I definitely need that because. Totally. I well, I, I was watching your stories, Rachel, where you're asking Toby it was a question something about what do you do when you're stressed or like it was oh, a yes. question you were asking him and he said like you you want to be alone yeah. as the first one and I'm like I'm the exact same like if I've got either conflict or I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed I'm like I need it's like one of my Same. biggest human needs is to be alone for a portion yeah. of the day. Like I have to have it. Yes, which so I think is why we we thrived when we were single, mm. right? Because we genuinely mm. like like that time. And something Toby struggled with at the beginning is something would happen, and he, he would be like, "Let's talk about it." Like we need to result. And I was like, "I just need some time to just gather." And then mm. let's, and he really struggled with that at the mm. beginning because he was very action orientated. Yeah. And I was like, but now over yeah. time, he's like, all right, I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can, if you understand that about your partner, then it's fine. Because I think if your partner's someone that can't resolve the conflict then and there, if you, if you push it, no one's winning. So if you know they need an hour or two, give them the hour. Like yeah. you're, you're getting the best out of them and they respect you more. Cause you're like, wow, you, you're really adhering to my needs right now. I just need to be alone. Yeah. Um, and then another thing I wanted to touch on is when people argue or fight, I think at the end of the fight, people always want, someone wants an apology. Someone mm. wants, you know, yeah. but sometimes 
you'll never get to the point where someone's wrong and someone's right. Sometimes the only thing you can do is like make up. But if your version of making up is I need an apology or this person needs an apology from me, then you could be holding this grudge against each other Mm. for so long. So I think like everyone has a peace offering. And I think Mm. when I first heard this, I'm like, oh my God, because a peace offering is basically when you've had an argument, you haven't resolved it. What does your partner do to try and make you like, hey, we're good again without actually saying I'm sorry or without like bringing up the argument again? And it's so interesting because my sister, her partner's peace offering is he'll make her a coffee. So if they've been annoyed, she's in the office or in her room and she'll hear the coffee machine turn on. She's like, ah, oh, he's, he's over it. I love that. And like Tyrone what? is like, he's say, straight Tyrone? up. He's like, hug, hug. Yeah. Oh, it's he, always- he just has to hug me. For him, it's yeah. like. Yeah. Affection. That's like Toby's too. Sometimes yeah. we'll like, we'll just be sitting there and then just look at each other and smile and we're like, <laughs> is this really worth it? Like last, Same. this is so funny. Last night, he, yeah. in all fairness, he's been making dinners a lot more than me lately. Anyway, he's out there and he's like, do you want to come out and like chat to me while I'm um, making dinner? I was like, oh, listen, I'm a bit busy. So he went out and then he texted me, but I missed the text. It was ready. So I come out and he was already eating and I could tell he was like not happy. And I was like trying to be on normal and talk and he was not having a bar of it. And I was like, um, I was like, do you like, do you want to talk about it? He's like, well, not really, but we should. And then he's like, I'm upset that you didn't, you know, come out. And I was so like, cute. I was like, no, that's fair. I was like, that's really fair. I'll take that feedback on and like, I'll do it next time. And he's like, all right, are you going to hug me or something? <laughs> but I'm like, it can be yeah, that okay. simple. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be. It is. It doesn't have to be the big and don't go wrong. It's not always that simple and we've definitely worked towards that. But when you know each other and you actually take time to get to know that person's like what they need, Mm. it's it does make the relationship so much easier. (laughs) Like he'll just try to talk about something real random. It'll always be the random chat and then the hug, but it'll be as random as like, do you know where the shopping bags are from yesterday? It is like he's just trying to like get the conversation going. It really just like throws the whole mood left field because a it's like, what do we like? What do you mean? What do you even mean? And then he'll be like, oh, so we're uh, you know we're past it now. I feel like Adam's (laughs) so good with Emma because Emma has quite a bad temper. Like you're short temper, but you know. And the other day we're doing something and Emma snapped at him and straight away he's like, Emma, he's like, you'll regret this later. (laughs) You know, bring it in. And and he told me you're just like. Okay, and I was like, and then like ends. But I'm like, like I feel like what's interesting with us is like we are all around each other a lot, so we often witness these like little (laughs) meltdowns. Normally it's us. It's never the boys, really. Yeah, and like. everyone's just like sits there silent Toby tries to be like no it's my fault and I'm completely like disregard Toby just like honing on Adam yeah I was like to Toby I was like don't (laughs) and everyone just goes and just like waits for it to pass and then everyone goes back to normal and I'm just like that is so I feel like people see you know your relationships online and stuff and like oh my god everything and I'm like relationships perfect isn't Mm -hmm that all the time it's like a balance of communicate I don't like to say fighting I like to say like I don't know what we want to call it but you know what I mean like that's healthy like conflict yes conflict resolution working on things together I'm like that is all normal parts of relationships yeah Yeah. but resolution that's exactly what it is and if you look at like 
you've always got to think about repair. Like mm. it's okay to have conflict. It's okay to snap. It's okay to have your meltdown. It's, that's fine. Even with like parents and children, I think a lot of parents are like, am I ruining my child because I didn't do it perfectly? Yeah. You're my fucking their attachment mm. theory, their attachment style. But, but it, as long as you, whether it's parent to child, partner to partner, it's all about repair. Because mm. growing up, like you said, a lot of people in our generation, how parents would fight before. You might see them having an argument, yelling mm. at each other, and then that's kind of all you see. You'd never see them mm. make up. So mm. people say you should never fight in front of your child. It's like, yeah, ideally not. But if you do, because we're all human, mm. we can't, like, things are spontaneous. Like, we'll leave this fight for an hour. Like, yeah. it's spontaneous. But you have to, if you're going to fight, repair in front of your mm. child. Yeah. So that way your child learns what it's like to either apologize or to make peace, even though mm. you both still disagree. And then it's really healthy because it's like, it doesn't matter what challenges we come across. If we can always repair this thing, mm. we're always going to be okay. And to show that to your kids is really, really, really healthy. Thank you so much, Alexis. This is a bit of a different conversation today, but I honestly, I love all of your insights into relationship. I could pick your brain forever. Um, but thank you for coming thank on you. again. I love our we chats. I honestly you. love these, these podcasts. They're so just easy and flowing. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Alexis. <laughs> oh, we appreciate so you. Thank um, you so much. And we'll talk thank soon. You. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us and we hope you loved today's episode. Make sure you follow our socials, chatwithus.podcast on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date with all of our show info. Chat Chat soon. soon.